God is good. I'd like to read a text before I get into my topic. From Psalm 50, verse 15. It's a verse that Junie texted me some time ago. The Bible says, God says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me. Isn't that a great verse? Uh, before I get into my talk, I just wanna, I wanna thank my church. And I could start mentioning names, Junie and Vince, Rhonda, um, Angelica, Anne, Craig Meisner, the elders, my family, my wife, my children, Dwayne, and I, I'm sure there are many others. I, I know I'm missing names <laughs> of people that have been praying for me for the last, uh, since I was anointed about three months ago by the elders. I've had a rotten five months and rotten doesn't really, uh, that does not describe one of the trials that I have been through, somewhat similar to a couple years ago, where I lost my ability to go to sleep, had all kinds of struggles, went on medication, and just felt like my life was coming to an end. And when Lou asked me to schedule this date to speak Back in Newport for November 30, honestly, you know, I was just putting it on the calendar by faith because I didn't know if I'd, if I'd be able to be here, if I'd be able to stand up again before my church family and Whitehorse Media, my friends out there that are going to be watching this as we're filming this today. And I just want to say praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God in heaven who has been so good to me. And, and I know that uh, you know, people say, well, Steve, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Your blood work is fine. <laughs> and that's probably true. But you know, the greatest battles go on inside the mind. That's where the struggle is. That's where the war is. That's where the devil hits. He hits your mind. And then things that happen inside our heads, you know, they do affect our bodies. Um, they have affected mine. And I'm just very grateful, very thankful for the Lord's goodness and grace and mercy and uh, compassion. So thank you for praying for me so much. Barbara, Ray, John, could go on and on. Michelle, your husband, so many. Thank you. So let's open our Bibles. And you know, when people go through trials, Matthew chapter 8, when people go through trials, hopefully their thick heads learn lessons that can be a blessing to others. And isn't that why God brings us through trials? God brings us through trials to work on us, work on our characters, help us to learn things that we can't learn any other way unfortunately, and he, he wants to teach us lessons that he can then use us in a, in a deeper way 
to help other people who may be going through the same thing. So that's what life is all about, helping people and learning the lessons and becoming what God wants us to be. So let's, uh, let's pray a prayer and then we'll take a look. My, my talk today is called Jesus, the leper, and you. Sound good? Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, thank you so much that I am here and that everybody that is in this, in this church is here. Lord, life is a gift. You know it. Every breath we take, every uh, impulse of joy that flows through our body at, bodies at any time, the ability to see and to talk and to hear and to feel and to love and to get a good night's sleep, these are all gifts from God. And Lord, I pray that you will bless this message, that you will use it and speak to our hearts and speak to those who will be watching uh, in the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, I'm excited. Do I look excited? I am excited about sharing this message. I've never preached this before. The Lord uh, just you know, has been speaking to me, speaking to my heart. And so I want to give this message to you. This morning I, I read, uh, there's a verse in, I think it's in John 17, when we were studying our Bibles for, for Sabbath school this morning, and Jesus was praying, and he said, I have given... He was praying to his father and he said, I have given to them, which is the disciples, the words that you have given me. And I circled that in my Bible this morning and I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to just give you the words that he's given me that are in the book. Words in the book. So let's start out with verse 1 in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8, Jesus the leper and you. Verse 1 says, when he was come, and what's that next word? He came down. He came down from the mountain. Now that wasn't just a mountain, but that was the mountain. He was up on top of the mountain, and now he was coming down. And you can find out what that mountain was by just backing up. If you back up in your Bible just to chapter 5, verse 1. 5 1 says, Seeing the multitudes, he went up. He went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and he taught them. So in Matthew 5, Jesus went up onto a certain mountain, which we believe was somewhere north of the Sea of Galilee in the area of Capernaum, and a great multitude of people were uh, following him, and he went up on this mountain, and he sat down, and he spoke Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7. And what do we call that? We call that the Sermon on the Mount, right? Sermon on the Mount, and uh, most of us have read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They're beautiful chapters teaching, where Jesus is teaching the, 
the very high principles of the kingdom of heaven, the principles that are up, like it says, he went up on the mountain. And isn't God's plan for us to get up and to go higher and higher and higher in our, in our Christian life? You know, God has high plans for us. He's got big plans for us. He didn't make us just to live little measly, you know, nobody, nothing lives. God has, we've been made in his image. He's put a lot of time into us, a lot of energy into each one of us. He loves us more than we'll know. And his plan for you and for me is up, 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 higher and higher and higher to live a life that is, that is amazing through his grace and through his, through his providence and his power and his mercy. You know, sometimes when we read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and read about all these wonderful principles and teachings, sometimes we, uh, at least some people, have a tendency to get discouraged. Think, well, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I can get up higher and higher and higher because I'm stuck. I've got problems. I've got chains on my life. I know I'm not what God wants me to be. Anybody feel that way ever? And so to me, you know, it, to me, it's very significant that after Jesus went up and gave all those principles and those beautiful teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, in Matthew 8, then it says, he came down. He came down. And you wonder, you know, Lord, are you able to come down to where I am? I don't know if I can get up where you are. I don't know if I can make it. I'm down here. And sometimes we go down, 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 and we get pretty low. And to me, it's, it's just wonderful that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated the Bible so that Jesus went up and taught these wonderful truths and then he came down to minister to a man at the bottom. At the bottom. So that we could learn lessons. Lessons that will help us when we're at the bottom. So let's go back to Matthew 8, verse 1. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now they followed him up. They liked what he taught. And they followed him down. Great multitudes. Now why do you think great multitudes would follow this man? Well, the reason is because they saw for the first time they saw something in this man, this man who is Jesus. They saw something in his character that they had never seen before. They saw a compassion that they never saw in the Pharisees. They saw a, a love, a mercy, a, a, a kindness, and an interest in people in all the people, all the multitudes, whoever they were, however old they were, young they were, sick they were, well they were, rich they were, poor they were, 
whoever they were, they saw that this man loved everyone. And they, uh, they, were, they were drawn to Jesus. And so they followed him. Verse 1 says, great multitudes, they followed him. Now there was one man who really wanted to follow him, but he, he felt like he was shut out. Shut out from that opportunity. Verse 2 says, behold, there came a what? A leper. Right, here's the leper. Now, uh, lepers are people that have a disease, and you know the name of that disease? Leprosy. Right, uh, Dr. Krauss, how many lepers have you diagnosed in your practice? None. <laughs> None, yeah. But there's not very many lepers around Priest River, at least not physical lepers. Uh, leprosy, there's not a lot of it left in this world, but it is still here, actually. There are people that do get leprosy. In Africa, they get leprosy, some of them. Some people get leprosy in Asia. And a number of years ago, I was with my family, and we were, uh, I'd been invited to the island of Molokai to, to speak. And on one of my sightseeing tours on the island, the man that invited me, the pastor, he took me up into, onto this road, and I looked down the valley and across the valley and up onto a hillside, and he said, there, see that, those group of people over there, those buildings? He said, that's a leper colony. And I could, I could just barely see, but I could see people walking around, and they were lepers. So leprosy is uh, still here today. It's a very real disease. It's not fictitious. And it's an awful disease. People that get leprosy, I mean, it is just terrible. It is a skin disease uh, and a nerve disease. It affects your skin and it affects your, your nerves so that you don't feel anything. So that if you put your finger on a hot stove, it, you won't get burned. If you walk on a nail, it won't bother you. Barefoot. Uh, lepers, their skin and their flesh begins to just really get ugly and they lose their ability to feel. So when they walk on something or touch something, you know, that's sharp, they can get cuts and gashes and they don't know it. And it doesn't bother them, they don't feel it. So slowly but surely, their, their bodies began to just wither away. Sounds pretty awful, doesn't it? And in Bible days, if anybody was suspected of starting to get leprosy, he had to go to the priest for an examination. And it doesn't matter if you were a poor person, if you were a mechanic, if you were a farmer, or if you were the king himself. If you had any hint of leprosy, you go to the priest. And if the priest examines you and discovers you got it, you've got leprosy, then you know your life is over. Let's say that you are engaged to be married in a week. Sorry, no wedding for you. 
No wedding for you. All the plans you have in your life, all the hopes and dreams, you know, growing up and getting married, having a family, having children, being useful, having a good job, enjoying Thanksgiving with your family, uh, all of that's just gone. It's all gone. You have to give a mournful cry. And the mournful howl is, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. And you would have to shout that so many times until all your friends and all your family and everybody knew that you're, you're gone. It's it. Your life is over. Because leprosy was not only contagious, but it was incurable. There's no way that you're going to get over this disease. It's incurable. So you have to leave your friends. You have to leave your family. And the only other people you can hang around with are other lepers. That's it. No more preaching in the Philippines if you get leprosy. That's it. Now, now that was not the worst part. Everything I've just described is not the worst part. The Pharisees called leprosy the stroke. They called it the finger of God. That the finger of God had pointed to you and that God had cursed you and given you this disease. And they said, for the rest of your life, now you have to live life under the curse of God, on your own, by yourself, you are a lost man or woman. You have no hope of ever going to heaven. You have no hope beyond this life. There's no point in praying. No, no reason, no need for you to get down on your knees and pray a prayer to the God of heaven and ask for his mercy and his forgiveness and his kindness and his grace because none of those things apply to you. You are a lost, hopeless, doomed person. And that's it. That's it. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many Bible verses you may be exposed to, you're a hopeless soul. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, okay? <laughs> But uh, I want you to just kind of think in your minds, how many of you have ever felt that way? And I wonder, I wonder if I did ask you to raise your hands. I don't know how many people would have the courage to raise those hands. <laughs> and I wonder how many hands would go up. How many of you have ever felt absolutely lost no hope. There's just no point. With all the problems in your life, with what, whatever's going on inside you, you know, you're just, you're just too sinful. You're just too bad. You're just too rotten. Your heart is too sinful. And maybe God will save others, but he's not going to save you. He's not going to save you. Well, I'll raise my hand. <laughs> 
not every day, but for the last five months, some of those days, that was exactly how I felt. And, you know, my conscience was telling me this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. In fact, I had a little, a little piece of paper that I wrote and put on my desk at my office, and I went into my office today and I found it. This little piece of paper that says, Jesus loves me, he understands what I'm going through, his grace is sufficient, he will heal me. And I would, kept, I would, I would put this right on my desk, and I would read it over and over and over and over again, because I needed every encouragement that I could get. Last June, for reasons that I don't completely understand, stresses, strains, uh, I began to have difficulties going to sleep, like I did a couple years ago, and I, I couldn't sleep. I went and some nights I'd sleep some, but many nights I would just lay in bed and I'd lie awake all night. And, uh, you know, I've learned that our bodies can handle so much of that. <laughs> Your body can handle a sleepless night or two, but when you have three or four or five or six, and this starts going on for a number of weeks, a couple of months, where you're just not sleeping very well, maybe you get a little sleep here, a little bit of sleep there, uh, you know, it wears on you. Imagine not sleeping for, you know, four days in a row. That's happened to me. It affects you, and I, uh, this summer, decided I'm going back to Weimar. I'm going to go back and see Dr. Nedley, who helped me a couple of years ago, and I, I did go back, and I stayed there for a week, hoping to be ready to come home after a week. And then after a week, he did some tests, and he said, Steve, you're not ready to come home, to go home. So I stayed a second week, and after the second week, I took some more tests, and he said, Steve, you're not ready to go home. So he said, you need to stay for the program, the full program, the 10-day program that starts uh, just in a few days. So I said, okay. And I stayed for uh, another 10 days. And Dr. Nedley's program did for me everything that it could do. And it's a wonderful program that really helps people who can't sleep and who are discouraged and they do blood work, uh, all kinds of things, checking out your head, what's going on with your body, your mind, your your brain hormones, your, your nutrition in your body. And uh, I was also put on a, a medication to help me sleep because I was not sleeping and I needed to sleep. So sort of on a temporary basis, uh, I was put on a medication, which um, bingo, Michelle, you know a lot about, called Seroquel, isn't that right? You've worked with Seroquel. And I tell you, you know, it probably doesn't affect other people like it affected me, but it's an antipsychotic. And even though I was not on a heavy dose of it, I tell you, my head went through the, my head was just, I don't know where my head was. And I was on this for probably about three months, and it was very, very difficult to get off of it. Very difficult. But I finally decided, after weaning myself a little bit, little bit, I worked with Dr. Krauss a little bit more, a little bit more. Finally, I said, decided I'm taking the plunge. I think it was October 5. I said, I'm done. I'm done with this. And uh, for the next week or two weeks, oh, my mind was just all over the place. I can't tell you. You know, I, I read recently that Americans are, are, are living less longer than they should. They're dying earlier. 
than other countries. With all of our advancements in technology and, and medical care and health care, people are dying uh, younger. And you want to know one of the main reasons why our, our trend is down in America as far as death? It's because people are killing themselves. They're committing suicide. A lot of people, the suicide rate is up. People are losing their minds. We're in a battle for the mind. And it's intense. And it's not going to get any easier. It's going to get more intense as we get closer to the final conflict with the powers of evil. And I tell you, I was in the thick of it. And those of you who have been praying for me, Julie told me, uh, she's not here today, but she told me that one, one night the Lord just spoke to her and, and said, I have a message for Steve Wahlberg. I want you to Steve, tell Steve, don't limit me. And that's what she told me. She said, Steve, he told me to tell you, don't limit me. And I thought, oh, you have no idea what kind of a ray of light that was for me. And every time I'd see Craig, he would be telling me, I, I was, I was I'm praying for you yesterday. I was convicted to be praying for you in the middle of the night. I'm praying for you. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate these prayers. Randy, and so many of you, uh, Leif, so many of you have been praying for me. Wow. Jaime at the office, you know. And, I mean, it was just, it was a struggle like I, could, I cannot describe. I'm not going to tell you all the dark things that went through my head. I'm not going to tell you. I can't, I mean, you, you don't want to hear it anyway. It's some things the Bible says are you, we, we shouldn't even speak of. But the thoughts were so dark, there were many times I thought, just end your life, just take your life. And I thought, no, I can't do that. God, you have to heal me and get me out of this so I can be a good husband to my wife. And I can be a good father to my children. And I am not going to give up. And I never gave up. Amen. Never. Amen. I never gave up. But I was so discouraged, sometimes I thought my, that this is my last day. This is my last day. I don't think I'm going to make it through the day. You know, the devil, he just, he hits hard. When you give him an inch, give him a chance, give him an opening, he hits hard. And he hit, he hit me as hard as he, he knew how to hit me. I don't know if it was the devil himself or his demons. I, do, I just don't know. But there, you know, there were many, many days where there was absolutely no joy in my life. And I don't know, Dr. Krauss, you know, there are certain happy hormones in the head or, you know, neurotransmitters or brain hormones that make you feel happy. It's like when you eat a good meal, you're with your friends, you do something you like to do, and you feel happy, right? Didn't you feel happy uh, when you preached in the Philippines? Sure you did. And there were many days when no matter what I did, I just, there was, there was nothing. I felt like I was just a zombie. You know, people who know me, they said, Steve, there was no light in your eyes. The light was gone. The light was gone. And I couldn't get it back. I didn't know what to do. I'd go jogging, I'd go swimming, I'd walk, I'd play with my dog, get in my hot tub, but there was just nothing. There was no pleasure at all. And I just thought, Lord, and the devil's telling me it's gonna be this way for the rest of your life. It's never gonna go away, you're done. 
And you're, you're done because God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't love you anymore. He's not going to help you. He doesn't hear your prayers. You're, you're done. And then I go to my desk and I grab my little paper. Jesus loves me. He understands. His grace is sufficient. He will heal me. Night after night, day after day. Well, praise the Lord within the last week. And I don't really understand all of this. I don't know why it took five months. I don't, there are certain things I could tell you. Uh, increasing the iodine in my diet through a friend in Loma Linda, a nutrition professor. And uh, working on building up my B12 and certain things, you know, but I, I can't really put my finger on any one particular thing. Still taking supplements, and Dr. Nedley has recommended going down to Vince's pool and swimming laps in his, in the Stone Ridge pool. But I don't know, but something happened within the last week, just within the last week, where little by little by little, my appetite came back. I'm off all those sleep meds, I'm sleeping better, my mind is improving, my outlook is improving, my, and, and then I began to feel joy. It actually started with a dream, I had a dream one night, and, and the dream was a wonderful, peaceful dream. And I woke up in the morning and I thought, boy, that was a great dream. And then I thought, hey, you know, I enjoyed that dream. Joy is coming back to my life, even if it's just in my dream. And little by little, step by step, and I want to say something, not just little by little, step by step, but text by text, promise by promise, prayer by prayer, quote by quote, what has kept me alive for the last five months has been relying on the word of God. It's reading about Jesus and the leper, Jesus and the, and, uh, the, the widow's son who died, Jesus and the centurion, Jesus and the different people that he healed, that he loved, that he cared for, that he had compassion on, no matter who they were or what they had done. And I kept reading these stories and I kept thinking to myself, Lord, no matter what the devil tells me, what my mind tells me, your word tells me that you're good that you're good, that you're kind, that you're loving, that you love everyone, every single person that you made, you love. You put a lot of time into every single person. Every one of us, God has put more time into you than you have any idea. And if you think that he doesn't love you anymore, or if you think there's no hope for you, or if you think that God is not able to help you in your life or doesn't want to help you, that he doesn't want to or he's not able, I want to tell you you're wrong. Your mind is lying to you. Your mind is telling you things that do not agree with the Bible. And I believe the Lord has brought me through two summers ago and through or three summers ago and through this whole experience, one big lesson he wants to teach me and to teach through me to you is that in the days ahead and no matter what's happening now, we can rely on this book. We can rely on these promises. Call to me, he says, and I will answer you. 
and I will deliver you in trouble, and you will glorify me. Now, sometimes he doesn't do it right away, and that was part of my struggle. Lord, why is it taking so long? Why am I still in this mess? You know, I read something in Patriarchs and Prophets. I've been rereading Patriarchs and Prophets. I love this book. And I was reading uh, yesterday, I think it was, about the Israelites getting ready to go out of Egypt. And they were in Egypt, and it was time for their deliverance, and Moses had come to them and said, it's time to be delivered from your Egyptian taskmasters. And, but here, listen to this. It says, the Hebrews expected to obtain their freedom without any special trial of their faith or any real suffering or hardship. They thought, you know, now's the time for deliverance, and when we pray, God's going to just get us out of here. And they didn't realize. They expected freedom without any real suffering or hardship, but they were not yet prepared for their deliverance. They had little real faith in God, and they were unwilling to patiently endure their afflictions until he should see fit to work for them. Wow. And that tells me that, you know, when we have troubles and trials and we pray and we ask God to help us, sometimes he doesn't help us right away. He didn't help the Israelites right away. In fact, when... Uh, when, he, when Moses first told them, you're going to be delivered, and he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh would not listen, didn't care about the signs, thought, thought the signs were magic, just like his magicians, and then he made it worse on the, uh, on, the, on the Israelites. He said, all right, now you have to go find your own straw. We're not going to give you any straw. And at the end of that little period where they were expecting to be delivered, things got worse for them. And there's a big lesson for us in that. Sometimes when we go through trials and we pray and we ask God to help us, sometimes things get worse. And we have to, and in, those all, in all those times, God will use those times to teach us trust, to teach us faith, to teach us to rely on him no matter how bad it gets. And if we will do that, he will hold on to us. I'm convinced these last five months have been like the story about, you know, the footprints in the sand. There were only two footprints on my summer because Jesus carried me. Jesus has been carrying me for the last five months. And I just praise, I praise his holy name. I tell you, I can't. I, I, I could, there was a time when I couldn't take a nap, and then I took a nap. I thought, praise God, I'm getting better. And then there was a time when I couldn't cry, and then I started crying. And I thought, Lord, you're restoring me. And just little by little by little, God has been at work. Now let's go back to the leper. Here's this poor leper, and he doesn't have any hope. But suddenly, hope begins to spring up in his heart. Because he hears about Jesus. He heard about Jesus. There was a man that healed anybody, everybody. He loved everybody. No matter how bad off you were. And this leper, this leper he thought, maybe he'll heal me. So there was hope. Do you know how important 
hope is to the human heart? It's a terrible thing when you have no hope. And I've been there. I've been there. I know what it's like to have no hope. And then you hope when you have no hope. You trust when you, when you, you can't trust. You trust. You rely on the Bible, on the Word of God, on the promises of God, no matter what. And that's what I did. And that's what the leper started doing. And he started thinking, maybe Jesus can heal me. But how am I going to find him? Well, he heard that Jesus was in the area. And so he, he went to the, or up to the area where that mountain was. And Jesus had just come down off that mountain. And the multitudes were around him. And he was still teaching them. And he was healing. And he was... He was right there, and the leper saw him in the distance. And he thought, I'm going to do it. I'm not, I'm not allowed to do it. I can't be by people. I'm unclean. I'm forbidden to go near a crowd. But I'm going to do it anyway. And in, the, in his vision, he saw that man. There was a man. That man. I've got to get to that man. And you know, when we have all the trials and troubles and struggles that we have, there's only one man that's going to get us out of this. One man. And that man is Jesus. And the leopard saw him. And he moved toward him. And he was so ugly. And the crowd saw him coming. And they moaned and they moved away. And they were terrified. Don't anybody get near this guy. Don't touch him because leprosy is contagious. You're going to get leprosy. If you touch him. Verse 2 says, Behold, there came a leper, and he, he pushed his way through the crowd, and he fell down at his feet, and he worshiped him. And he said, Jesus looked at this poor, ugly man, and everybody had scattered, and he looked at this poor, ugly man, and this poor man looked up at him, and he said, Lord, if you will, which means if you're willing. Are you willing? If you will, you can make me clean. Two things. He said, are you willing? And can you do it? You can do it. You can do it if you're willing. In Steps to Christ, it says Satan rejoices when we doubt God's willingness and his power to save us. Two things. So ask yourself, do you believe God is willing? Is he willing to help you in your life? Does he really love you still? Is he willing and can he do it? And I tell you, this is where the, the devil hits hard. If you hear thoughts inside your head, whether it's Satan himself or whether it's your own mind, telling you that God is not willing and able to help you, then you are listening to the voice of the devil. And I've had many of those voices inside my head. 
I, I would call it a negative mind. I, I, for months I had what I called a negative mind. God, you gotta get me out of this negative mind. This negative mind is not my normal mind. I don't know if it's the Seroquel or the insomnia or whatever it is, but this negative mind is not my normal mind. My mind is telling me that you don't love me, that you don't care for me, that you don't even want to help me. You'll help everybody else, but you won't help me. So I go back to my little sheet. Jesus loves me. That's a Bible principle based on the Bible. God so loved the world, he gave his own son. He understands. His grace is sufficient. He will heal me. Maybe not right away, but he'll do it. He will. So the leper put all his whole, his whole life was now at Jesus' feet. Lord, if you will, you can make, and what's that next word? Me, me clean. Okay, now listen, here's the battle. Here's the battle right here. If you think, if we think, if I think, the Lord means this for someone else. He means it for the saints. He means it for the people on the mountain that are following the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm down here at the bottom, and he doesn't mean me. See, that's the battle. Does he mean you? No matter how sinful you are, no matter how many problems you have, no matter how many bad thoughts you think, no matter how much of a past you have, no matter how weak you are, how many sins control your life, does the Lord still love you? See, that's the battle, I tell you. You know, the biggest battle is not with cancer or diabetes or, or uh, heart disease. You know, it's the biggest battle is not with these things. The biggest battle is inside your head. They say, oh, it's all in your mind. <laughs> well, yes, it is in your mind. This is where the battle rages. Brothers and sisters, it's in your mind. And, and we need to overcome the devil's lies that God doesn't love us individually, one by one, and that he's, he's not willing and he's not able to save us. We've got to overcome that. We've got to overcome that. Lord, if you, if you will, you can make me clean. You can. And I said that, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. It's been a long time now. It's been almost five months. My brain's still not working right. I still have a negative mind. I'm still struggling with sleep. I'm still battling these things. Lord, but you can do it. I trust you. And look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Jesus, you know, here, he's looking at this man. Well, and everybody's watching. Well, Jesus, how do you relate to lepers? Do you still love lepers? Those who are under the curse of God? The stroke, incurable, deadly, hopeless. Does Jesus still love those kind of people? Now verse three has a little uh, something there that you might have missed. It says, 
that, you know, most of the time when Jesus healed people, he just spoke the word. The centurion said, Lord, just speak the word. And Jesus just spoke the word most of the time, but not this time. He didn't just speak the word. What did he do? It says Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. He touched him. It's like that song that says, oh, he touched me. Now, you know, that was shocking because you don't touch lepers because lepers are contagious. And if you touch a leper, you're going to get it or you might get it. But, you know, Jesus didn't care about that. He saw that this man was so heartbroken and so beaten down and he was so hopeless and so discouraged and he had nothing left and he was down, 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 down at the bottom. And so Jesus thought, this man, he needs my touch. Did he hug him? <laughs> I don't know. But he, re he reached out his hand and he touched him. And you know, that man hadn't been touched for how all the, all the time he had leprosy. How would you like it if Jesus came and touched you, put his arm around you, gave you a hug, and said, I really do love you. Well, that's what he did to the leper, to teach us his love. And he said, he touched him and he said, I will. Which answers the first question, is God willing? Is he willing? And can he do it in, his, in your life? He answered the first question, I will. And then he said, be clean. I'm willing, I'm able, and I'm going to touch you to make it happen. Isn't that marvelous? And you know, there's nobody like that. There's no, and for the leper, his, all of his hope was in Christ. And it's too bad that human nature, you know, we put our hope in so many other things. And we have to sometimes get down to the bottom before we feel a need for Jesus and Jesus alone. It's just so bad. It's so, it's part of our, it's part of our leprosy. The leprosy of sin. The leprosy of sin is that we don't need Jesus Christ. We're fine on our own. We can live life without him. We can get through our struggles by our own power. We're not helpless in need of a savior. That's the attitude of the Pharisees. It's easier for Jesus to heal a leper than a Pharisee. It's harder for him to heal the Pharisees. Well, we're almost done here. His leprosy was cleansed. Well, in Desire of Ages, it describes this cleansing and it says here, it's beautiful. It says, immediately a change passed over the leper. Whew. Almost like a scan, you know. He scanned someone and he just got a, 
a high-tech healing. His flesh became healthy, his nerves sensitive, his muscles firm. The rough, scaly surface peculiar to leprosy disappeared, and a soft glow like that upon the skin of a healthy child took its place. Wow. And I'm sure, you know, I imagine that leper when he felt that touch and his whole, his whole body changed, he probably jumped up and he said, Hallelujah! And grabbed onto Jesus' feet. I'm healed. Now, before I finish, there's one more thought I've got I to give to you here. Um, it's, and it's verse 4. Jesus immediately gave him instructions. Immediately. No dilly-dallying around. Jesus told him right away. It says, Jesus said to him, see that you tell no man. Go your way. Show, yourselves to the pre show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why do you say that right away? I'll tell you why. Think about it. There's another lesson here. Reason number one is because he wanted the leper to get to the priests before word got to the priest, priest of what had just happened. He didn't, want, he didn't want word going around, you know, a leper's been healed by Jesus, and then this gets to the priest because he wanted the leper to get there first. Because... He wanted the priest to be able to give him an, uh, an honest evaluation and pronounce him clean so that he wouldn't, wasn't prejudiced of who healed him. Second reason is because that was the only way that if he got the, the evaluation of being clean, that then he could be restored to his family and friends. And Jesus wants people restored to their families and their friends. Jesus is not only concerned about our, our bodies, but our souls and our relationships with others. He loves families. He loves friendships. And I just praise God that now I can enjoy my friends and my families, family again. We had a wonderful time last night on Sabbath. I went for a long walk and this big white dog followed me home. He was barking at me on the road out there and, and I convinced him and finally coaxed him over. And once he found that I was friendly, he tackled me. <laughs> and he was licking me all over. And this dog was so beautiful. And I tell you, I enjoyed being tackled by that dog. So I brought, I, he followed me home. I said, Abby, Seth, come out here and look at this big, beautiful white dog. Praise God. My, my, uh, my happy hormones are working in my head again. Praise the Lord. So that's the second reason he wanted to be restored to his family and friends. And the third reason, you might, not, you might miss this. Show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift Moses commanded for a testimony to them. Here's my point. Jesus loved the priests. And he wanted to reach the priests too. So he wanted the leper to get there, be pronounced clean, make an offering that Moses commanded. So when they finally found out that Jesus was the one who healed him, that they would be favorably impressed that Jesus was following Moses and the law. And the reason was because Jesus Christ not only loves lepers, 
who feel their need for a savior, but he loves those who don't feel their need so much. And, and that's got to be, you know, we've got to be in one of these two categories here this morning, don't we? We're either lepers who feel a great need for a savior, and if we do, there's no doubt that Jesus is willing and he'll help us. And if you don't feel your need, you're more like a priest, so ask him, Lord, help me to feel my need for you. And you know what? Jesus is willing and able to help the priests too. He loves both groups. He loves us all. Praise the Lord. Well, let me wrap this up. Uh, I don't know why I went through my trial completely. I don't know why. It just seemed like a week before Thanksgiving or a few days before Thanksgiving. It's like the cloud is lifting. God went June to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Lou, I didn't know I could preach today. I feel fine. I feel fine. There were, there were months when I didn't sense the Holy Spirit with me at all. I had no sense of the presence of God at all. No sense of the presence of God at all. And that's not normal for me. Normally when I preach, I, I sense the Lord with me. But not for the last four months. It's just been gone. And I've had to trust God by faith in the midst of that. But I praise his holy name that the cloud is lifting. Thank you, Craig, for continuing to pray for me and all the others, everybody, Vince, Judy, all of you that have prayed for me. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. And I, I don't know why God allowed this, and he may bring it again or allow it again. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't say. I'm not a prophet. But I know that I've learned in 2017, I've learned in 2019, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in when, the time, when the days ahead of us get really, really dark, and the devil hits you with everything he's got, and he tells you there's no hope for you, you're lost. You can fight that with scripture, with the promises, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Call upon me and I will answer you. I will deliver you in trouble. I will be with you. I will glorify. I will glorify my own name through your healing. God promises that he'll be with us no matter what. Whatever dark times we go through, God is willing and able to bring us through. And the battle is to trust him. That's the battle. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Well, I'll finish with a little uh, illustration. Wednesday night, I was driving home from Spirit Lake, heading back home through Blanchard and then back, back to uh, Priest River. And at this particular stretch of 41, I didn't have my brights on. And my daughter wants me to make sure that I never do that again. <laughs> Driving in the, in, at night, make sure your brights are on. But I didn't have them on at that stretch. 
and uh, the lights went in front of me, and then it was kind of a dark spot, you know, when you don't have your brights on as you're going down a dark highway in the middle of the night, or at night. And it just happened so fast, so fast. And I only saw half of his body. But as I, all of a sudden, I was going about 60, no time to slow down, out of the, just the corner of my eye, I saw the back, the butt, and the back of a, of a gigantic moose. He was huge. And he had walked right across the road, and he was in no hurry. And I was driving like this, and we went like this. And I saw him, I saw his body right here as he kept on going. So I didn't see his face, I didn't see his four legs, I just saw his back and his gigantic, and he was huge. And I thought, you know, just another second. If I would have gone a, a second uh, slower, or faster, which one is it? If I would have gone a second faster, when he was right in the middle of that road, I would have plowed right into him and he would have been right through my window, right on me, and that would have been it. It's resurrection time for me. I mean, next thing I'd know would be the resurrection. And that was a very, very close call. Very close call. I missed the moose. The moose didn't get me. Praise the Lord. And I want to close by telling you that you need to miss the moose. And I'm talking about the devil. Don't let the devil take you down. Don't let the devil destroy you. Don't let the devil, don't end up on the devil's side. Miss the moose through scripture, through trusting Jesus, through trusting his power. He's stronger than all the mooses. He made the mooses. Did I say that right? <laughs> moose. He made the moose. He made the, the moose. He's bigger than everything. And we need to trust him no matter what, and he'll bring us through. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God in heaven, may your name be praised. Hallelujah. Glory and honor and power to the Lamb who was slain. And Lord, I just pray for everybody here, for those that will watch this and hear this, that you will teach us, Lord. We, we're all lepers in many ways. We, we're lepers in sin. Sin is like leprosy. Lord, we can't cure ourselves. We can't heal ourselves. We can't save ourselves. But you are willing and able to do it if we trust in you. Lord, bless all of us. And thank you so much, Lord. I just praise your name. I'm so happy and so excited to be here and to share this with my church family. Bless us all, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message by Steve Wolberg. We feel privileged to be a part of God's commission to share the gospel with the world. You too can be a part of our gospel outreach team by supporting messages just like these with your financial gifts. We strive to be careful with every dollar that we receive, knowing these donations are sacred gifts to build up God's kingdom of grace and salvation. To find other great resources or to donate online, go to whitehorsemedia.com. Or you can call us at 1-800-78-BIBLE. That's 1-800-782-4253. You can follow us on Twitter at Whitehorse7. 
or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Steve Wolberg. That's Steve, W-O-H-L-B-E-R-G. If you prefer to contact us by mail, write to Whitehorse Media, P.O. Box 130, Priest River, Idaho, 83856. Thanks for your support, and may God richly bless your day.